Welcome to the Mixed Movement, where we speak candidly about the uncommon commonalities that people of mixed race face in our world today. Here, we listen, share, learn, and acknowledge that through our stories, we are all connected. We are your hosts, me, Chris, and Rachel Go. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Today, we have a very special guest, Michelle Pan. Michelle is somebody who I have gotten to know through the biracial and multiracial realm on social media. She is a phenomenal human being. She is also a really talented, multifaceted artist and musician. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get started with, the, of course, the first question is, what is your racial mix? Yeah, so I am half broadly Western European and half Filipino. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's if you want to know my exact mix, I actually found my 23 in me. Did you? <laughs> okay, yeah. how, how long ago did you do the 23 in me? Um I think I did it in oh 2017 or 2018. Okay, so for a while. Yeah. So before cuz I do want to know, but before you did this, were you pretty solid in knowing? Were you pretty confident or were you like Yeah, be yeah, I mean, we knew that, you know, my mom's family is from the Philippines. Her parents did come here, uh, moved here in about uh, like the 50s, the 1950s. Okay. But then, yeah, it was just like, I don't know exactly what's going on on my dad's side. Our family's yeah. been in the U.S. for many generations, so we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you discover with your 23andMe results? Yeah, so I am... 50.7% European. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it got real specific. British and Irish, French and German, broadly Northwestern European, and actually 5.4% Ashkenazi Jewish. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. Yeah, which they're really, other than this, there's not really a lot of like Jewish anything in my family. I did not know we were Jewish at all. Wow. Yeah. And then 48.8% um, East Asian. Oh, and Native American, I guess. Um, wow. Yeah, it's Filipino, Ilocos region. That was, um, I, I knew that. And then 4.2% Chinese. So oh, that's, my goodness. Yeah, kind of interesting. I have had a lot of people ask me if I'm Chinese. Like, no, but now I could be but, like, yeah, a little. Yes, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> a tiny, tiny bit, yes. Yeah. Wow. The tiniest bit. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about prior to this knowledge, which seems pretty mm -hmm. accurate from, from what you I think so. have known. Um, tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about your upbringing. Where were you born and raised? Yeah. So I, I feel like I have a pretty unique experience. It's, it's kind of inevitable to bring up that my parents got divorced when I was very young. And so we grew up in California, uh, mm. the Bay Area. Yeah, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Um, my dad remarried and my brother and I actually, um, our parents had dual custody. So we went back and forth every day. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's very unusual. You usually hear like, oh, like a week at this yeah. house, a week at the other house. It was like Sunday, Monday, dad's house. Or yeah, Sunday, Monday, dad's house, Tuesday, mom's. Wednesdays, okay. dads, Thursday, Fridays, moms, and then Saturday would switch off every week. So it was like exactly half. Wow. Yeah, which was, I mean, it had its advantages and disadvantages. I am, especially now hearing about other people's experience, I am grateful that my dad was still very present in my life. But it was kind of wild to go back and forth every day. Yeah. It's just... I mean, not not just with kind of two different cultures, but yeah, two different, well, but two, just two different households. Yeah, and just completely different worlds. Yeah. yeah, just so many, so many differences. I mean, always a lot of love, but Good. very, yeah, very different. Yes, I personally, I understand. I have a, a similar parenting schedule with my children. It's it's a lot more frequent back okay. and forth. So I understand that there's there's definitely benefits, <laughs> but also kind of tricky. And so it was it just you and your brother growing up. We did have a half sister also who was at our dad's house. OK, so it was kind of like I sometimes think about what her experience must have been. Half the time she's an only child, half the time she has two siblings. And right. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for her, but I mean, it's normal because it's what happened yeah. with us, but it, it is kind of weird looking back, like yeah. going back every single day. Yeah. Speaking to that, culturally, mm -hmm. were your parents' cultures very present in each household? It is kind of a sad thing, honestly. My mom's parents came here, like I mentioned, in the 50s and they didn't speak a lot of English. They got jobs. And I think my I think my grandfather was like working on a farm since a very young age back in the Philippines. And he was working at a bowling alley um, in California. And then her mom was working at a cannery, I think. And they, they experienced a lot of discrimination. I'm not sure exactly what, but they did not really pass down their culture onto our family. So... A lot of people say, oh, do you speak Tagalog? I'm like, no. And I say my family spoke Ilocano and I don't I don't actually speak it. Yeah. Do you understand a little bit of it? I don't. No. Yeah, I know. I know like a couple words. I know Scrabagon means like all messed up. <laughs> that sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think my uncle said that like <laughs> this is so weirdly specific, like my grandma, you know, his mom would say, oh, you need to scrub the cud cud off the bathtub, like the, the soap residue. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But other than that, I, I feel I feel very disconnected from my Filipino culture. Do yeah. You, do you feel like they were kind of shamed in a, in a way oh. that they didn't want oh, to put that sure. on you? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It is definitely something I'm I'm like still kind of grieving. Yeah. Is has there ever been a point in your either young life or adult life where you have kind of sought out a closer connection to that culture, to, to your Filipino culture independently? Not not really, actually. Yeah. So my grandparents didn't really pass on a lot of their customs to my mom or my uncle. So 
it was never really there. But yeah, independently, I haven't really. I have had a lot of people say, oh, well, you should learn the language. And I guess I guess I, I maybe still like a little bit just in this like, I'm still just grieving the fact yes. that it wasn't automatically taught to me and I haven't made an effort to learn it, which, you know, maybe I will one day or maybe not. We'll see. I think that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, especially <laughs> if there's a heavy emotion behind that. I don't don't feel guilty or bad. You, I think you hit it spot on. You are probably grieving that still. Mm -hmm. Do you find that in any way you are, you gravitate towards certain things culturally? Well, I have always gravitated towards Asian stuff in general. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's, I, I have listened to, to a lot of, a lot of the episodes you've done and it was fun to listen to the one with like our dating preferences because uh -huh. <laughs> I actually have almost exclusively, almost exclusively dated Asian men, not really? Filipino though, but yeah. Well, my first, first two people I was with were uh, Mexican, Guatemalan, mm -hmm. and then Chinese, and then Vietnamese, Indian. But then what's funny is my, my current partner actually is the exact same mix of white and Asian as me. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's... It's really nice. Yeah. Like meeting his family was like, oh, like these look like they could be my parents. <laughs> that has got to feel so absolutely like comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, you have gravitated towards. That is hilarious. That's not, yeah. not what I was expecting you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also musically. I have always gravitated towards like Japanese, Korean, Chinese. Yeah, like I love right. traditional Chinese music. My favorite instrument is the erhu. It's like this two-string violin. It's so beautiful. Oh, oh my wow. gosh, I love it so much. Yeah, and I found Japanese pop music when I was around, oh my gosh, I think I was 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. I just fell in love. And then I found K-pop when I was like 16. Yep. So, yeah, and I mostly play like Japanese video games. So I, yeah, mostly I do gravitate towards Asian stuff. Definitely. In, in all, all regards. Yeah. No, that's amazing, especially because it wasn't something that was necessarily in your home. It was just something that you yeah, gravitated no. towards as you mm -hmm. kind of grew and developed. And, and that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially music. Yeah. Just. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks to YouTube. <laughs> yes, exactly. Are you struggling to understand the complexities of your mixed race identity? Do you feel isolated by the lack of resources available to help you and others around you understand the nuances of being mixed race? Now is the time to take action and schedule your free consultation for my individual coaching course. In our time together, you will gain a deeper understanding of your unique mixed race identity and how to navigate the challenges you face. Here are just a few examples of what I have helped individuals just like you gain from my course. You will learn how to embrace and love every aspect of what makes you unique. You'll learn how to navigate complex social situations with confidence. And I have even helped many of my clients move out of areas where they didn't feel safe because they are mixed race. 
don't wait any longer to gain the confidence and understanding that you need to live a more fulfilling life. Message me on Instagram at polished.velvet, on Facebook at Mixed Movement, or feel free to email me directly at coachrachelgo at gmail.com. And that's C-O-A-C-H-R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-O at gmail.com. Let's make magic happen in your life. Um, So in your father's household, do you feel like there was any cultural influences that you gravitate towards or find comfort in as an adult now? You know, now that I mention it, you know, it's also kind of sad. We don't feel like a strong connection to, you know, I'm looking at this ancestry report again, like British, Irish, French, German, like even though that is our genetic makeup, there really is no connection because I don't even know who came here. Right. Where from. Right. Like so, my my dad's parents grew up here. Their parents grew up right, here too, like right. in, on the East Coast. Yeah. So, yeah. So, much mostly American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and whatever that means. Yes. I still <laughs> don't even know what that means. I understand that completely. So growing up, were you raised in a relatively culturally diverse neighborhood? That that is the interesting thing. I think there were mostly white and Asian. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you had any unique experiences? I did feel like I never really fit into either side, at least outside of my family. That is one of the beautiful things about my mom's side of the family is that my uncle married a Puerto Rican woman. They were also with, I think, Mexican. They were married to Mexican people separately (laughs) before they came together. All of their kids married people of other races. So on my mom's side of the family, it's all very mixed. So it's it's quite beautiful. That is nice. Yeah, but growing up, I feel like I knew I was different. And also felt very different because I've always been like a very sensitive, like empathic kind of person, Mm -hmm. feeling emotions very deeply. That's kind of why I gravitated towards music. But yeah, I guess I can't think of any like really defining moments as a kid. Like I feel like we didn't really talk a lot about it. Like we didn't talk much about how we were mixed or right it did kind of feel like both I mean just all sides of me were kind of whitewashed yeah I can relate to that and I'm sorry yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's refreshing to know that your experience growing up you weren't picked on or because I know oftentimes in right. you know, growing up mixed, a lot of us do get picked on. And so that's very reassuring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny. I realized this a little more recently. I was kind of a big kid. Like I reached my full height when I was nine years old. Oh, wow. So I was a big kid mm-hmm. and I've always been like very like active and strong and so I feel like I didn't get picked on because I was bigger than most of the other kids. 
That is hilarious. I mean, that's probably, that probably holds some weight there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there were some mean things that girls did in middle school, but I never really felt like anyone singled me out because of how I looked. Good. Good. And you have your brother. Is your brother older than you? Yeah. Yeah. My brother's older. Okay. And Mm -hmm. were you two relatively close with one another growing up? Yeah. I mean, I like to say he's like my first best friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We had each other too. Yeah, exactly. Going back and forth every day was challenging, but he was the constant. Like it was always my brother and me. Yeah. That's, that, that is extremely important. I'm sure as an adult, Mm -hmm. you look back and you're like, wow, (laughs) thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're pretty close now even too. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Good. So growing up or even in your young adult experience, is there anything that in particular that you would like to share about maybe some of the, the challenges that you faced being mixed race? I do feel like, you know, I, I gravitate more towards Asian things, but when I'm with Asian people, it doesn't necessarily feel at home. But then, you know, when I'm with a group of white people, too, it's also like I feel like the odd one out. Right. I, For some reason, this, this is kind of funny. This is popping up in my head right now. I haven't thought about this in a while. I remember watching a BuzzFeed video, actually. It was like showcasing all these Asian people who were on various, I don't know, I don't know what their roles were like in the BuzzFeed videos, but it showed people who were half Asian as well. And I just had this moment like looking at the video and I was like, wait, wow, she kind of looks like me. It was like, wow, that's like, it wasn't until that moment that I was like, I haven't seen anyone in media that actually does look like me. Yeah. Yeah. How, how old were you? Very early 20s, okay. I think, or like late teens. Yeah. And it, it was it was a, a cool moment. Yeah. Like, oh, I always did kind of feel like, oh, am I Asian? Am I white? Like, I felt weird claiming either one. But then seeing this video that was like, oh, look at all these Asian people. Oh, this person is half white, half Asian, but she still called herself Asian. I was like, oh, OK. I mean, I am both. Up until that moment, how did you identify? I would just check the other box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, sometimes if I could choose, it would be like Asian and Caucasian. And then sometimes it was even like, okay, is it Asian? Because it's not main continent Asian. Is it Pacific right. Islander? <laughs> right. Yeah. But if somebody, you know, when you were 19 years old, walked up to you and asked you what your race was. Mm-hmm. Would you say one or the other, or would you say I'm mixed? I usually, I mean, usually people would say like, oh, what are you? Yes, you know, we've, like, we've all heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I turn that around now. I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, I love I just, that. I make it, I turn it on them. I'm like, what do you think? Let's make this a game. It's my favorite you game. You can feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I would usually say I'm half Filipino, half mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I did ask my dad many years ago. I said, okay, like, what kind of white are we, though? He was like, 
broadly Western European. Like this was over email. I don't know why I was asking him. Because <laughs> I, I was like, like, what? Like where though? Yeah. Like, where like what from? does that yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a yeah. very um, broad answer. And I, I personally would try to dig a little deep too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm okay. Another memory just popped up in elementary school. We like made these little, these like clothespin dolls. Uh-huh. Like a little clothespin. Yep. And then we would color them with like string. And I remember I was like, oh, like I'm going to do Filipino stuff. And I remember my, my stepmom on my dad's side was actually very upset that I did that. Yeah. Really? Do you, do you I, know I, why? I do feel like there were just undercurrents of racism from my dad's side of the family. Yeah. Like it was never overt, but it did. Like there were just little, little things that they would say every now and then, especially like my mom wasn't there, so they could just say, say anything. And my brother and I are kids, mm -hmm. so we're just like, oh, you know, we're not, we're not really going to question it. But yeah, like that or like, I didn't remember this, but my brother told me recently, like apparently our half-sister was like crying one day and Stepmom sat us down like you need to stop looking so Asian in your pictures, like what? Like because when we smile, our eyes squint a little bit. Like yeah, right. It's just like oh what? Yeah, kind of ridiculous. Um, and I do kind of wish that could have been a teachable moment. Like oh well, they are your half siblings. They are Asian, but no, it was like you need to stop doing this. You need oh to stop goodness. looking like the other side that you are and. And so I, I do feel like I have had some internalized shame, honestly, around both sides of my family. It's like I, I because I'm so disconnected from my Filipino culture, I feel like I can't really claim it. But then having that kind of very subtle racism, but then also like, I don't know, like a little bit of white guilt too. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, it's. I am confusing. so sorry. It is confusing. That's extremely confusing and yeah. pretty darn hurtful, too. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I you, mean, it's, do you feel like that, yeah. especially that particular comment, impacted you as you carried on with life and grew up? Yeah. The, the interesting thing is I actually don't remember it. Oh, you're right. You're right. My like brother months. told yes. me within the last few years and I was like wow yeah. but I mean it makes sense I'm not surprised and and I was like oh did she just say that to you he was like no she sat both of us down I was like oh my goodness she sat you don't wow. oh my gosh she sat you because our down. our sister was like crying. crying like oh they look Asian like I don't I don't know went down that's, that's so weird. strange can you is there any other memories that you can think of that you felt a little bit targeted by your own family members for your racial mix. I mean, just getting a, a little deeper in that dynamic, I do feel like I don't know if there were racialized, I don't know, feelings within my dad's side of the family, but I did always feel like responsible like if my mom did something it's like oh like it's it, it felt like it was my fault 
yeah, I don't know if that's because of the race thing mm -hmm. or just because I was always people pleasing and always wanted to step up and take the blame and could feel when people were upset. Yeah. So I would like try to drag it out of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. That that's yeah. I personally am doing doing a lot of work about being mixed and how that has kind of led me to be a people pleaser because of that right. feeling of not belonging. So mm -hmm. especially as a child, you develop inadvertently, you develop this behavior of wanting to win people over. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Belong. Yes. <laughs> and I also am extremely empathetic. And so I can, I can feel, I can feel that. And I'm so sorry um, <laughs> because it does, it does shift things in the way that you show up with your own family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is definitely really uncomfortable <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did feel a little bit of just downright hostility from my dad's family towards my mom's. I mean, the basis of it is that my mom and dad divorced and then my dad remarried. And it did sometimes like looking back, especially it did sometimes feel like my stepmom felt like she needed to prove something like she won, you know? And yeah. And because I, I look a lot like my mom. Do you? So yeah. yeah. And yeah. And then just to make things even more complicated, my mom did pass away a few years ago and like things just got super weird. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm <so> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's it does kind of feel like like I I look so much like her, and so to my whole family, I mean, everyone knows I'm my own separate person, yeah. but it's like it's so, and I act like her too, like yeah. just very like easily delighted and like so happy <laughs> and just like a a little naive. <laughs> so it's like I I just I I remind everybody of her, yes, and. Yeah, I've done I've done so much like trauma work and like therapy. And I looking back, I can see that hurt people hurt people. Yes. And like the ways that they have not necessarily healed. Right. <laughs> and how that impacted how I developed. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It is a yeah. lot. But good for you for doing that work because it's it's not easy. It's really yeah. hard to go through it. It really is. Um, yeah. So good good for you. And I'm sure that the way you show up is a little bit different too in those certain situations with your family members. Yeah. Do you, so is your stepmom, what is her racial background? Um, she, she is white. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly what, I don't know if she knows either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so growing up, were you close with her family also? Um, no, really. she, no, no. She has two older brothers who she doesn't talk to very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever meet them. Oh, like, interesting. They, they live, they live in just completely yeah. separate areas of the country. And so you weren't, yeah. you weren't totally involved in her side of the family, extended family. No, not at all. No. no. Um, yeah. And as far as your father's family, were you close with your extended family on your father's side? 
No, that's that's the funny thing too. My dad moved to California from the East Coast. And I mean, I did meet a few of my cousins. Yeah, but not really. I mean, they're they're kind of private people. Yeah. Like they don't have like a huge circle of yeah. people. So yeah. Well, good. Because <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure if there was a lot of hostility from extended family towards you oh, and your brother mm-hmm. from where that idea kind of forms. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell if it was racialized or if it was just because of that yeah. dynamic that then got tied up in the racial stuff right. because they were different, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... I don't know. I mean, I'm very biased, but I feel like everyone just loved my mom. <laughs> I can't I can't remember like my my aunts and uncles and cousins on my wow. dad's side ever having anything bad to say about yeah. her cuz they did know about it. They met her, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like I feel like you really got to be a heartless person to not like right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So Navigating life, do you feel like there has been a major benefit to you being mixed race? I do feel like I'm more memorable. I love because that. I don't really look like other people. Yeah, since I, I actually I moved to New Orleans just last year to go to grad school for music therapy. And yeah, I feel like when I meet people. Like, I I was very just, like, in my own shell for a very long time. I had a very mm-hmm. dark adolescence. But, yeah, I'm just very, like, out there. And when I meet people, you know, I'm just very happy and nice to meet you and all these things. And it's really funny because I've had a lot of people remember me and then I don't remember them. I'm like, oh, uh-oh. But then I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, I'm like, ah. I mean, it's it's kind of cool because I do look not like a lot of people. I mean, yeah. mostly in New Orleans, it's I mean, there is it's super diverse, but it is mostly black and white people. Mm-hmm. There's a few Asians when my brother and I first um, he helped me move across the country. It was great. Uh, when we got here, I was like, oh, oh, look, there's an Asian person. Oh, there's another Asian person. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, well, they exist here. We're not the only hey. ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also. It's like, it was funny saying that, but I also didn't feel like I was not going to fit in or anything because I was like, cool, like, I'm just going to be a little more, yeah, myself. And I I do feel like people tend to remember me. So that's, that's kind of fun. That's amazing. I love, I love your answer, by the way. (laughs) I'm memorable. And it's true. You, you are. Do you feel like since living in New Orleans, you have become more yourself a little bit? Oh, definitely. Really? Yes. Yeah. I was talking with my life coach about this actually, that moving here did give me like a clean slate in a lot of ways where I went through a pretty huge transformation about six years ago. But I didn't make a lot of new friends in the time since then. So um, 
all my friends that I had before, you know, knew who I was pre. Yes. Pre that yes. that whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And then now that when I moved here, it's like, oh, like people can just know me as I am right now. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Do you feel, were you in California before this? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I lived there for the first 30 years of my life. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like being in a more, I, I suppose, racially diverse in terms of more mixed people, do you think that has helped or just a complete clean slate? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I did move here because I wanted to be around more than just white nation people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to, I knew that if I was going to go into the kind of work that I want to go into, I was like, I, I need more perspective. Right. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I have met maybe a few other mixed people. I mean, my my boyfriend is one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And yeah, just that, that also, I have actually never been in a relationship with someone who also is mixed, Yeah, which is, it's kind of cool. It's like, he gets all of those things. It's a deeper <laughs> he level under, of understanding, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look totally like his mom or his dad. Okay. And yeah, yeah, it's, it is funny. I, I've gotten the like, Oh, you look so exotic. Like yes. that's oh that that word. Oh my God. I, I'm like, I'm not a bird. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny though, because I actually I have embraced more more of the the bird within me in the last <laughs> two years. So so it's like I am a bird, but like not in that way. <laughs> but don't put me in cage. Yeah. <laughs> but then it, it's funny because I think people have said that since I've been with my boyfriend too and I'm like fucking hell people call me exotic and then he's like okay and and I'm only okay with this because he's mixed too he's like I think they mean it as a compliment because you're so pretty I'm like okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> for the perspective shift dude it's yeah, still like, not okay still not okay yeah like I, I still hate it I'm not like at an exhibit yeah thank you that's exactly what it is i'm like i'm, I'm american i'm a human being <laughs> yeah, i i grew up here yeah. i'm not like an acai berry <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's it's not a compliment it's not no. it's weird it's so exotic like, <laughs> like, no. okay <laughs> no i i picture you know early 1900s people who go to Africa and go hunting and and come back with these crazy creatures that they found and that's us yeah and <laughs> it's, it's not it's not cool no, no. <laughs> um so you, were, you mentioned you mentioned your work that you're getting into mm -hmm. do you care to share yeah. a little bit more I'm very intrigued oh my goodness yeah I'm so excited so my undergrad degree is actually in composition. So I, I write music. I have I have lots of music on all the platforms. Um, yeah, that's under a, a different pseudonym, which I, I guess I could share that. Yeah. It's Falorii, um, F-A-L-O-R-I hyphen I. So is that an yeah, instrument? It's, oh, I just full. made it up. Oh, it's, not, it's a weird thing I made up when I was like 12. It, it's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know where I came from. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, Faloria. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's part of it also, like just being mixed and like I've always liked to play with words mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's I don't know. My my family has always been into words. But yeah, so I I've been writing music for a very long time. Um and then I was actually a music teacher for about seven years. Wow. Yeah, that was that was great. I loved it so much. And then my mom passed away actually like two weeks before the pandemic shut down. Oh, so wow. it was like she got sick, passed. It, it was so, so fast. Yeah, that was that was crazy. But but yeah, then then everything shut down and it really made me think like, you know, like, who am I? Yeah. Like, what do I like, what is my purpose yeah. in life? You know, I one day will die too. Like, that's just what it is. And it was like, okay, like, how can I really utilize my skills? Yeah. And I, I had loved teaching and I'm actually still teaching now. Like, I love it so much. Oh, um, just connecting, especially with kids over music mm -hmm. and like giving them this space to just be like a weird kid, yes. which... It's so like I, I love that I can do that. Yeah. yeah. I I love that I can give that to other kids. Like I feel like my mom did that for me. My parents, like other parents not as much, yeah. but my mom just let me be her yeah. little wild child. Yeah. But so yeah, it was really after she passed away that I was like, like I felt like I had more to give than just teaching, which I mean, I love teaching. It's I think it's a, a great job, but I was like, I think I have a little bit more that I could be doing with my skills. So I picked up guitar. I started learning it because every every music therapy program was like, OK, piano, vocals, guitar, piano, vo vocals, guitar. Mm. I was like, great, I can play the piano. I can sing. Oh, I guess I need to learn guitar. So I've been learning guitar for a few years. And yeah, I. I was looking at different music therapy programs like it had been on my radar for a few years. But then when I saw the one here in New Orleans, I was like, OK, like I love jazz. It's such a different place in the country. Yeah. It's in the South. I'd never even been here before. I'm like, let's go. Like, yeah. I'm gonna go. Yeah. And you had mentioned you chose New Orleans because of you wanted to be more exposed to different mm -hmm. races and different cultures and yeah so with music therapy is there a different facet or one facet in particular that you want to go into with music therapy or are you um, kind of like we'll see where it takes me both okay <laughs> yeah I'm about to start my internship um, at a hospital in Baton Rouge um, that's gonna start in January which I'm stoked about so excited it's also going to be super intense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, I am kind of like, we'll see where it takes me. But I also would like to work with families. I would love to work with parents and young kids like separately together, yeah. like kind of do therapy sessions with like the kids more expressive, like, oh, let's like talk about your feelings. But then also with parents, like expression, let's talk about your feelings yeah. and also you know, like what kinds of things happened when you were a kid and let's process that so you don't pass it on to your kid, yes. you know. You're learning how to do that through music. Yeah, it is it is kind of funny. I guess I don't know a lot about the research with families, mm. but 
it's more of like I feel pulled towards that and I will just make it myself because I have had a lot of supervisors say, oh, you know, there's maybe there. I don't know if other like if people are going to be into that. It's like, OK, well, I don't know yet. Who knows? I, you know, think that you're onto something. <laughs> I think so, I too. You, yeah. you might be the one who who begins this this study and this mm-hmm. research yeah especially if it's something that you feel a really deep calling to do mm-hmm. yeah I mean music was my first therapy yeah yeah I mean I I have more recently realized this that my brother and I have always been very close and it was actually when he went off to college that I started writing music when I was like 12 or 13 and he was like 18 mm-hmm. and went off to college and I was just playing my keyboard and I just started messing around. I was like, ooh, I don't know what's happening. I've never played this before. This is kind of cool. I just kept playing it over and over. And I was like, oh, I want to show my brother. And it became this like, he would go to college. He would come back and I'd have something new to show him. And it's like that. It was like a connection. bonding. mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's beautiful. And he he does his own music stuff too. I mean, we're like completely opposite when it comes to like what we do with our music. I'm more like singer, songwriter, playing the piano, like more like low key, jazzy. He's like a drummer in a punk band. He has a mohawk. That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. Their their lyrics are like obscene. It's so, it's, it's funny. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I, and I think that is, um, and I, I did mention this, it kind of came to light in a, an episode in season one, where being mixed race, a lot of us have fallen to mm-hmm. the punk rock yeah. category. The, the people <laughs> who didn't feel like they fit in, um, a lot of mixed race people did. I, I was one of them growing up too. I was definitely into punk rock. My first band that I ever saw was Buttermouth <laughs> in downtown Chicago. Oh my God. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, and I have green hair right now, so whatever. It's still in me. But, um, but I think that's pretty incredible that you and your brother were raised together, both mixed race, both, you know, same parents, and yet you still know how important music is in your life, but you went to completely different Mm-hmm. different ways with it and you yeah bond over it oh yeah for sure yeah I mean my some of my music is a little cheeky I mean I do have a song about cabbage bitches but that's, what is that <laughs> I don't know please send it to me what it's it's the it's the bonus track on my second album it's like I like to tell people that my second album it's called love letters to myself okay so it's like half very like raw and vulnerable just so emotional and then half just like super cheeky just like self-aware tongue-in-cheek like love it one of the other songs is called woogly noodle like it's whether i mean that one that one is is more deep than you would expect because it's it's like i'm i have all these like pasta analogies but i'm also it's more about like me trying to be flexible with my expectations of how other people are going to be like, wow. Yeah. It's that's amazing. Yeah. It's like it's it's goofy, but there's like but there's, there's a serious, Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can yeah. listen. I'm gonna you're gonna have to share that with me. <laughs> it's just saying. Yeah, I I'm proud of it. And I actually my next release is gonna be in a few weeks. Oh yay. Oh, I'm so excited. 
It's actually so relevant to some of the stuff we've been talking about. The title is Treats, Trauma, and Trust. Yeah. So it's like, there's like treats because it's like, ooh, I'm improvising and it's like so beautiful. Yeah. And there's trauma, like the, the two books I mentioned when I was interviewing you on my mm-hmm. podcast, The Body Keeps a Score. Yes. That one I, I was very moved by and I sat down and just improvised this piece and that's going to be on the EP as well. And then another one where I was reading my grandmother's hands. And that was also very just, oh, that one really, like I could feel it in my bones. Like it was so, it really deeply affected me. And I I also did a a very intense piano improvisation for that. So that's on the EP as well. Yeah. So it's a lot of just like, I mean, like my boyfriend helped me take some pictures this weekend, like for the the EP. And it was like, I just ran with this idea of juxtaposition of, I mean, I I feel like it's all kind of tying back to being mixed race, like just this juxtaposition of like treats and trauma, like with, I have like candy and flowers and then like knives and fire. And yes, it's just, it's like this whole like creative, beautiful mix of all these things. Beauty and pain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> and good for you for pushing yourself, for finding this out- outlet and creating, mm-hmm. creating something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I am calling in more collaboration also. Like, I feel like, especially like I took this psychology of music class last semester. We talked so much about how music is so communal and, mm-hmm. and like cultural and And I was thinking like, wow, it has been such a private thing for me for most of my life. Like I would just sit in my room, compose on my keyboard, maybe show my brother and my mom. Like I didn't show my dad's family what I was doing. And I would just be like journaling. I mean, I did at some point. They they know I write music. Obviously, I got a degree in it. But yeah. But it was nothing super close to you. Right. Yeah. And just, I mean, it, it was the way that I could deal with Mm -hmm. all of my very, very volatile emotions. Yeah. Michelle, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I have one final question for you. What is the legacy that you would like to leave behind? It's like, I knew that was coming. (laughs) I knew, I knew that was your question. I knew that you knew that too. I'm like, oh no, it's time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like I have such a huge grand vision for like, I have so many projects I'm doing and I would love to just leave this huge imprint on the world. But I just want to be a beacon of light and love for the people that I interact with. Like that's that's really that's really all I can do, you know, and if that comes through in my projects and if other people are able to, you know, that I can't see. That's great. I mean, I had I had eight listeners on my Spotify last month. Heck Pretty yeah, cool. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, one that was probably me. So I, I'm just curious who the other seven are. <laughs> Listen to my own but, Yes, heck yeah. As, huh? as you should. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just a legacy of love and and just light. I mean, yeah. kind of like like my mom was, like just I want to be a big hug wherever I go. I, f- I feel like you're you're doing that in everything that you do yeah. and, and every Thank step you. of the way. Keep doing what you're doing. I 
feel it in my soul that you are going to do <laughs> amazing things for many people. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Michelle. Thank you all so much for listening to today's show. Michelle has so much going on and she's doing such amazing things in the world. And I would like to invite you to follow her on her platforms. You can find in the show notes below this episode, her link to her Instagram, her Spotify link as well for her music albums. And she does have a podcast that I also was a guest on. We didn't really talk about that much in today's episode, but you can find her podcast, Wise Not Withered, on Instagram, and her website will also be listed in the show notes below. Thank you again for listening. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to be here for you, and we can't do what we're doing without your support. Please hit subscribe, and to stay up to date, head on over to mixmovement.com. That's M-I-X-D. M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T dot com to stay up to date with news and more. We are The Mixed Movement. See you next time.